All right, so um, destined for deliverance, if you would put our objectives on today, um, we've been really in objective number three. We've walked our way through having a, a desire, a demand, a diligence, a discipline, a discipleship, and we've been dealing with the dominion aspect of deliverance and how do we actually get to the point where we conquer things in our life and have those things really conquered, not I'm in and I'm out, I'm up and I'm down. How do I, how do I turn the things that's been, um, that the enemies used against me and turn that area of weakness into an area of strength? And that's, that's ultimately what God has for us. His intention is that each one of us, not just, Pastor, are you saying I'm going to be sinless? No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying you should sin a lot less every day. And that... Um, there shouldn't be, you know, in engineering, we used to call them, um, we call them hardy perennials or routine emergencies. You know, where the same thing I can schedule when I'm going to see that problem again. And what God wants us to do is be ever growing in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. That there's some areas that you get down, you get that down, and then you keep moving on instead of struggling with the same issue over and over and over again. All right, so that's what we mean when we talk about this thing about um, having um, a dominion in your area of deliverance. And so last week, we really went through some really um, deep teachings around um, biblical meditation, right? We gave you those three. Give, give the media team three co um, components of biblical meditation where we talked about the fact that what makes biblical meditation so powerful is that we verbalize and visualize and then emotionalize at the same time, right? That's what commercials do to you. They give you words, they show you pictures, and then they give you some emotional component such that you'll go into the store, and even though that one is more expensive, your emotions say, I need that one, not that one. Because they created an emotion, they created a commercial that unlocked something in you. Well, that wasn't something, that's Madison Avenue didn't invent that, God invented that. That's how you change your behavior. But you have to, see, memory replays the past, meditation preplays the future. Yeah. Memory replays the past. And some of us are stuck in the prisons of our past memories. And so sometimes we can't get out of our own skin because the memories keep us locked in and the devil keeps convincing us that there is no other way out of this thing. So memories replay the past, but meditation preplays the future. So I have to see myself in my own imagination. I speak the word, see myself acting on the word, see myself experiencing the benefit, the promise that God says for the person who does what I just saw myself do. And then I put some positive emotions with it by praising God in advance like it's already done. Because from God's perspective, it already is. Meditation preplays your future. 
So how much of your future are you visiting? Versus how much of your past are you revisiting? Does that make sense? Like, like how much of your future are you visiting? Or do you just go over like you cycling that same drain? You know, when you're cycling the drain, you understand that terminology? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's some things you should be flushing, but you keep cycling the same drain. I'm going to just leave that right there. I'm going to just leave that right there and walk away from it. Some things you should be flushing, but you keep cycling the same drain. So I got to really deal with this thing, and then I have to take the time that it takes to get myself to a new place before I can get myself physically there. I've got to get myself mentally and spiritually there. We see that with the prodigal son. He was in his father's house, and he had pre-played a future and decided to bring his future into the present. He was supposed to get an inheritance. This is nowhere in my notes. He was supposed to get an inheritance when his, when, um, his, when his father died, and he said, Dad, I want my inheritance right now. So he pulled something from the future into his present. And he had a picture that when he get his inheritance, he would take all of the money and do all of the stuff that he was big and bad enough to do, but couldn't do while he was still in his daddy's house. The Lord told me once, he said, he said, um, you're not losing young people after they leave the church. You're losing them when they're sitting here like these young ones, and they said, when I get grown, I ain't going to church like mama made me go. How many of us say stuff like that? Come on. Some young people saying it right now. I'm mad at you. Pastor not even mad at you. I had to ask the Lord, how do I, how do I keep growing the church? He said, he said, you're trying to go out and get them and bring them back in. He said, he said you got to grab them while they're still here and, 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 and engage their interest while they're still here in the house. The prodigal son, he didn't become prodigal when he went out to the foreign country. He was already prodigal inside the house. He had pre-played a future that it made him act a certain way. And because that future commercial was so good on the inside of him, it made him do some things, but it didn't turn out as good as the commercial was. So when he had money, he had friends. He was the life of the party. Then his money ran out and so did his friends. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And, um, and then he got down there and he was a place where nobody knew him, didn't have anything. Nobody wanted to be his friend no more because he didn't have no more money. And so he had to figure out what to do. So this Jewish boy said to himself, I, I can see myself, which was an abomination to him, I can see myself working for this farmer, this pig farmer. I know you, call, you and I call it the other white meat. I know you like your bacon. I don't mess with your bacon. But for a Jewish man, that was a serious deal. That was unclean meat. He was supposed to be even near it. 
let alone farming it. So not only was he doing that, but then he was the guy who had to bring the slop out, which was all of the stuff that was just nasty for them to eat. And he was so hungry that he started imagining himself eating what they were eating. I'm just talking about how your, how your mind works, either work for you or against you. And while he was in there, the Bible says he came to himself. He didn't come to nobody else. See, real deliverance don't start until you come to you. I wish you could just come to me and I lay my hands on you, put some oil. Listen, if I could get you delivered by laying, you, all of y'all leave here greasy. If that was the way to get you delivered, pastor got a lot of oil. I, I, all y'all be greasy when y'all left here. And I would be the first one in the line, by the way. If, if, there, if that was the way to get it done, but there's no deliverance happens until somebody comes to themselves. People can see it for you. They can want it for you. They can believe it for you. They can pray it for you. They can confess it for you. They can cry it for you. But until you come to yourself. Right. So, so you got to see. That's why you, you can't play the victim. Because you, you can spend all your time. Blaming other people. Instead of coming yourself. And so when he came to himself, he had a picture. He had a picture that caused him to make proper and accurate movement this time. He's here seeing himself getting ready to eat. He's seeing himself beating a hog to the trough. That's what he's seeing. He's seeing himself putting it in, and when the hogs come oinking, oinking up to the trough, he's pushing them out of the way and eating it himself. And then he says, he has another picture right there, hungry for slop. And in his picture was the servants that worked for his dad. And what he saw was, he saw them servants in his mind, not, not, not in the big house, but in the servants' quarters. After they done served his dad, he saw them come to their table, sit down to a nice meal, and push the plate away because they was full. <laughs> he imagined... Not a son. He imagined the servant. And when he saw the servant, he said, man, all my dad's servants, man, they, they got enough to eat with some leftovers. When they get done, they got doggy bags. Here I am, one pig slop, and they got doggy bags. And so right there, that commercial caused him to make a move. And he finished the commercial out by saying, I shall arise and go to my father's house. And the last when he left, the picture had him saying, give me. When he came back, the picture said, make me. 
He didn't say, give me. This picture said, make me. Father, I've sinned against you and against God. No, not longer worthy to be called your son. But just make me one of your servants. And as he began to act on that picture, the father had a a, a picture in his mind, too. Because he sat out every day looking for his son to come home. So there was these pictures of a preferred future. That's why parents, you, you you let your kids go through their dumb days. Don't get done with them. You, you don't get done with them. You don't do it. You don't get done with them. Let, let them, you know, stop writing off your kids. I was going to say, because I could hear some people say, to hell with them. But I don't want to say that because your ears may be too sensitive. But some people are writing off. Instead of doing like the father did, expecting with a different picture, a picture of their child's turnaround. Though hand join in hand, the wicked shall not go unpunished, but the seed of the righteous shall be delivered. Yeah. So I have to keep that picture in my head. Do they ups and they downs and they ins and they outs? I can't look at what, what they in. I got to look at what they're going to. Come on. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I got to be the one that's waiting and running out to meet them. Not, not expecting, you need to get on up in here and you need to cleanse this and cut your hair and put your clothes on. Child, please. I know you still smell like stink because you just can't, you didn't, you didn't have time to change. He didn't have time to come home and get himself together. His father met him on the road, went out and grabbed him and hugged him in the middle of his mess. Yeah. And then while he began to make his speech, the father interrupted his regularly scheduled program. He had it all mapped out in his head. See, you need your picture because your picture moves you. But God reserves the right to do exceeding abundantly above everything that you can ask, think, or imagine. So you need the picture. You need it because the picture moves you. If he never got a picture, he still stayed down there in the far country. He needed the picture to get him moving in the right direction. But God reserves the right. He reserves the right to do more for you than you can ask, think, or imagine. And so he said, hey, bring him one of the robes. Hey, wait till we get clean. No, no, bring him a robe right now. Put a ring on him. Oh, that that wasn't just jewelry. That wasn't jewelry. See, people don't understand the significance of it. The ring had the family crest on it. Once he had the, the ring with the family crest on it, he could go do business and sign contracts in the family name. That was, his, that was his capability to get back into business and to gain back the wealth that he had lost. Yes, yes, yes. Does that make sense? 
All right. So you need the picture. And if your picture isn't strong enough, and we talked about this in the previous sessions, I want to redo this, but I need to remind you, you got to work on that picture. That's homework. Nobody can do that for you. You got to come to yourself and deal with the pictures that's going on on the inside of you. You got to deal with the film that's playing in your own mind. You got to deal with your own pictures, right? And you got to take the time that it takes. And if you don't like the picture that you see playing, rewind. Take two. Okay. All right. That commercial didn't move it yet. Okay. Take three. All right. It's still, I still get that negative commercial. Oh, take four. Because when the old picture come back, I'm, I'm take <laughs> cut. You are the director. <laughs> you got your own Cinemax, HBO, Showtime. Oh, Netflix. Prime Video. Hulu. You got your own movie going in your mind. So you got to take the time to change it. Nobody can do that for you. Stop, stop waiting for people to prop up your mental picture of yourself. Stop it. Stop waiting for people to fix the picture on the inside of you. Nobody can do that for you but you. And stop blaming people. Sometimes we think people think bad about us because we think bad about ourselves. We think other people, <laughs> I'm, talking, I'm getting married. We think other people messing up because we know if we could, we would. So we putting on them what we have done or even thought about, and we then projecting our thoughts into their head. Pastor is preaching really, really good up in here. So we have to be careful. Does this make sense? I got to work on me. Yeah, I got to come to myself. I can't be blaming people because I got these evil thoughts in my head. Sometimes, now I'm going to get into the parents. Sometimes we try to beat out of our kids things that we hate about ourselves. Woo, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. And we know they got it on us because we put it in them. And since we can't get it out of ourselves, we try to beat it out of them. Woo. Mm -mm -mm. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. So the... There's a quartet gospel song that says, sweep around your own front door before you try to sweep around mine. Jesus, <laughs> Jesus said, get the big beam out of your eye before you try to get the speck out of mine. Does that make sense? Ah, they need this. They need that. Hold it. Hold it. Pump the brakes. Pump them brakes. Start to deal with the stuff that's going on in the inside of you. All right. Was that good, y'all? We all good? All right. Y'all still friends with your pastor? Okay. All right. All right. Don't, don't get mad at me because I told you some truth. All right. 
Um, we all have to do something. We talked about it before, and, and I'll just quote it in 2 Corinthians 10 and 5. Cast down imaginations. We have to deal with the thoughts that's going on in our mind before they deal with us. We have to imprison our thoughts before they imprison us. Does that make sense? Because our thoughts will get us going crazy. We'll do stuff, and then we won't even be in control of our behavior because we haven't taken control of our thought life. All right? So that's what, we're gonna, that's what we have to do. All right? So that's what that scripture says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exhausts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Now, we're going to see how the Lord Jesus did this in his own life. So let's look at Luke chapter 3. We're going to read verses 21 through 22, and then we're going to go on to chapter 4. All right. We're going to see how Jesus had to take control of his own thoughts. So you're not a bad person because you had a bad thought. Say that one more time. You're not a bad person because you had a bad thought. Now, what you do with that bad thought can make you a bad person. If you don't handle it, it will handle you. All right? So Luke chapter 3, 21 through 22, talks about Jesus coming to John the Baptist. And it says, when all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heaven was open, and the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him. And a voice came from heaven which said, you are my beloved son. And you, I am well pleased. We see that Jesus, first of all, to get things in alignment, went to and submitted to the spiritual order that was established by the, his principal minister, who in this case was his older cousin. They were real close in age, but that was the principal minister that had already been established. And so Jesus went to him as a part of the discipleship process and went through the order that was established in that house, okay? So one of the ways we do that is we have you go through our foundations classes, right? And we know we got some folks that we got to baptize, and we're going to do that as well because it's a pattern, a principle in Scripture. Now, um, he didn't do it because he had sins to confess like the rest of them. He did it because he wanted to be in alignment with heaven, and God the Father directly articulated that he was pleased with what Jesus had done. Somebody say amen. Now look at chapter 4. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. I'm going to speed up a little bit here and give you some, some pieces at the end. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's interesting, um, before I go any further. Um, he was born of the Spirit because the Spirit overshadowed him. He was born of the Spirit because the Spirit overshadowed Mary. But now there was a second wave of the Holy Spirit that came upon him at his baptism. That's why we believe that there's a second empowerment of grace that comes on believers as well, all right? Then Jesus, being filled with the Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit picked a fight. Being tempted for 40 years by the devil... 40 years, I'm sorry, 40 days. Praise the Lord, it's not 40 years. Thank you, Jesus. 
40 days by the devil. And in those days he ate nothing, and afterward, when they had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered him, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Verse 5 says, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. All right. You know some scripture. I know some too. For it is written. And then he quoted from Psalm 91. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you. And in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now, when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding region. Now, the, the piece that we want to get out of that last statement is, is that once he had dealt with the devil in his own life, he was now empowered to get that same enemy off of other people's lives, right? That's what we want. We want to, we want, I keep trying to say it the first way it comes to mind. Sometimes people, you know, they think I'm just cussing at them. We, we, we want to get the hell out of our own life. Then we can get it out of other people's lives. If he hadn't dealt with it with himself first, then he wouldn't have been prepared to deal with it for other people. The problem we have is when we try to get something off of other people that we still dealing with in our own life. Does that make sense? All right. So seven keys on deliverance from temptation. Number one, understand part of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is to lead you into private battle before public ministry. See, I hate it when I see preachers get these massive platforms and, and then their drawers be hanging out. You understand what I mean when I said I don't, I know, I know our young men like, for some reason, I don't know why they, they like to have, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about the people that had a belt here. Okay. I'm talking about situations that should have been dealt with privately have to be dealt with publicly because that person didn't deal with the private battle, and so now they got a public position and all their business out on Front Street. So then people, not only in their church, but in their community, began to say to themselves, ain't nothing to them. I knew all of them was jacked up. Hold it, bro. You just saw somebody who hadn't, who hadn't taken step one. That's not all of us. That's just somebody who didn't take care of their personal business. That's right. 
right? While it was still private, and now they got this big situation, and it's all public, and everybody know that their stuff is jacked up. Okay? So, so if the Holy Spirit is leading you into a wilderness, it's not the devil. If he's leading you into a place of aloneness where you got to deal with issues, go there. That is God leading and speaking to you. Get those private things fixed. Right? Let him fix it when nobody's around. Right? By the time you, you get to the point where I'm standing here, you need to have some victory already. I shouldn't be preaching for victory. I should be preaching from victory. Some stuff I not, not and I'm telling you I'm here perfect. But child, please, I, I, I'm not going to embarrass you. Because I got some stuff hanging out there that I should have handled before God put me up to the point where I can stand here and preach to you. Does that make sense? All right. Number two, the enemy will attack will always attack your identity in Christ. We must deal with our self-image if you are the Son of God. Now, Jesus had just heard the Heavenly Father 40 days ago say, all heaven heard it. Everybody heard it. This is my beloved Son. I'm well pleased. But here the enemy begins to try to sow a seed of doubt into him about the very thing that God declared over him. He always worked to induce doubt in, in relation to your destiny. This is the reason why you must meditate. You must have good meditation before your day of temptation. Because Jesus didn't run out and grab his Bible. He had already, he already knew who he was. And he wasn't going to let, see, see, um, Madison Avenue, the, the advertising industry, is good at creating a need, then filling it. So they convince you that you're ugly so that you can get this makeup so you can look pretty. <laughs> if you just get this, then you'll really look so they try to create they they try to create a need so that they can fulfill it. Okay? And so what he was trying to do was create a need. If you are the son of God, Jesus was like, "No, my tank are already full." <laughs> you looking for somebody on empty. I'm full, bro. I'm full of the Holy Spirit. I know who I am. See? <laughs> Some sister be pushing up on you. Be like, sister, uh -uh, I'm full. Home is already taken care of. We didn't took care of that. We didn't took care of that, baby. Okay, you need to find you somebody else because ain't no room here. There's no room in the end. Keep it moving. So he always tries to create a need, right? What did he tell Eve? Cast hold not on you. You'll be like God. What? You already made in the image of God. 
So if we let him create a deficit, then he becomes the one that fills it. So we have to watch to make sure that we don't let the enemy cause us to doubt our identity and our self-image. And if you got that kind of battle, fight it and deal with it by yourself. All right? Um, expect attacks, number three, in the areas of the lust of the flesh, turn these stones to bread. That's your flesh talking. Lust of the eye, look at all of this that can be yours if the price is right. <laughs> and the pride of life. Listen, they don't know who you are, but if you go down to Jerusalem and jump off the temple and then you glide down with the angels, everybody would know who you is then. All right? So expect attacks in these areas. And you got to see in those areas where you are vulnerable. Now, your vulnerabilities may not be my vulnerabilities. So you can't look at nobody else. This is homework, right? This is private battle. All right, number four, expect the enemy will always work to get you to deviate towards destiny. Now, now this is a little different statement here. What am I talking about? Jesus' destiny was to rule, to be the one who rules the nations. That's his prophetic destiny. And so he said, I can get you there without all of the pain. I got another way to get you to your ultimate objective. I got a shortcut for you. It's, 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 it's God. You know, you don't have prophetic words that this is who you are. And I got a shortcut. The thing is, if I take the devil's shortcut, then the devil becomes the master, not me. That's why Jesus said, I'm going to worship the Lord, then you're going to have to bow down and worship me. All right? Because whoever you obey, that is the one you become the servant of. Right? So you got to be careful that you don't let him try to come up with some alternative path to the thing that God has called you to. The ends do not justify the means. God not only has a destination, he has a way for you to get there. All right. Number five, you're going to have to win your battle with the word of God. Jesus was the word made flesh. So he was he was the Bible personified. He was a, a walking Bible. Does that make sense? That's what scripture says about him. But he had, he didn't fight the devil saying, okay, listen, I'm just who I am. He said, get behind me, Satan, for it is written. So if anybody could have just said whatever they wanted to, it should have been the one who was the word who could say whatever he wanted to. But when he was in the fight, he, he, put, he took the word of God as the weapon of his warfare. All right. And so you're going to have to do that same thing as well. You can't fight thoughts with thoughts. You must fight thoughts by opening your mouth and speaking words. 
you must open your mouth and speak the word of God against the thought that's been holding you down. Jesus opened his mouth and said, get thee behind me, Satan, because it's written and quoted the word of God. That word of God was the sword of the spirit. He was cutting him with the word. Does that make sense? All right. Number six, no deposit, no return. You need to fortify before the day of temptation to seek to succeed during the temptation. He didn't say, um, get thee behind me, Satan, I'm going to go have a Bible study and I'll be back. If he hadn't made a deposit before he got into the situation, he wouldn't have had victory during the situation. All right? So I want to take the time while things are going well. I want to take the time to study the word so that I'm not always reacting to the devil's attack. Does that make sense? All right. I want to study about healing while I'm still feeling good. Right. I want to study biblical prosperity while I still got money in my pocket. Now, listen, you can do it the other way. It's just hard to build a house in a hurricane. You can do it the other way, you know, because the word is still the word. But you don't want to wait to you to the devil. Then the devil's leading you, not you leading him. Then you're reacting. Right. Instead of responding. So I want to make the deposit ahead of time. We said it last week, the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth the good thing. But you got to put some treasure in there if you're going to bring some treasure out. All right. And then finally, finally, the enemy you defeat in your own life, you can help others defeat in their lives. It was on the other side of this private battle that Jesus then stepped out into public ministry and began to push the enemy off other people's lives. Now listen, when God sends you to minister to people in an area you got victory, you're going to have to tell them about the real issue. You know, one of the reasons why, I'm going to talk about this this evening in our service that we're going to minister and I'm going to give them some of, some, some of my testimony. But I got to, if I'm going to help them get delivered, I can't give them the fake testimony. You know what I mean when I talk about the fake testimony? Like, like we don't want people to know we was ever that bad. And we make it all pretty and stuff because we don't want people to know we was really that bad. Because we want them to think we was Jesus Jr. You know, we came from the womb, speaking in tongues, you know, <laughs> quoting scripture. We did it all. We never had a bad day. But that won't get nobody delivered because it didn't work for you. The church is the pillar and ground of truth. You're going to have to give people some of your gritty truth if you're going to help them like God helped you. Why is that so important? Because if you give them that, then they'll understand, 
okay, I'm not so bad that he can't do it for me. They look at you now that he didn't clean you up and he didn't clean you up so good. You don't look like where you where you come from. And so they think it can't be for them because they're not as good as you are. But you aren't as good as you are if you told them the truth. So you got to be able to tell people what the real deal was. Now, listen, listen, listen here. I was my stuff was really, really bad. Okay, and you got to tell them. And here's how God got the victory in my life. Now your testimony got some power in it. Now it's got some fire in it. And then you now understand your authority. Since you have kicked the devil off your life, then you can turn around with that same authority and say, in the name of Jesus, you devil, I've kicked you out of my life. I'm kicking you out of theirs. Now you got some fire. Now you got some power. Now your deliverance is a dominion in the sense that it not only got you free, but now God can use you to get other people free. Come on, let's stand. Did this bless you?